0: This is a presentation of Redemption Bible Church. For more information, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org. Well, hey, so we just got back from vacation, and one of the things that we did a lot of while we were away was walking, a lot of walking. And as we walked along the busy city sidewalks, the way we typically go is, is I would be out front leading, and then Ethan and Sean would be following behind. And then Jill would come along to make sure that nobody got left behind as we were walking. And, and I had walked these streets already, right? I had studied the maps. I knew where we were going. I knew how to get there, kind of mostly sort of at least more than the other three. And, and so while the boys had a, had a general understanding of where we were going, because see, we had spent the weeks leading up to our trip uh, talking about all that we were going to see, all that we were going to experience. They'd never been there before. They they didn't know how to get to the nearest metro stop. They didn't know how to get to the next museum or church we were visiting, the next park that we were going to play at, the next restaurant that we were going to be eating at. And so rather than letting them wander around aimlessly, lost in this big city, left to find their way on their own, they followed me. We were like a duck, and little ducklings following along behind us, mama duck bringing up the rear. They followed me and they trusted me to get us from wherever we were to wherever we were going. And as you can see, we have successfully returned, so it must have more or less worked. But that's the picture that I think of when I I think of following Jesus. See, rather than us being left to wander on our own, lost in this big world, left to find our way on our own, we we follow Jesus, trusting that that he's going to get us on the right path. From wherever we are, no matter how far we strayed, to where it is we want to be. And where we want to be is to dwell in the presence of God. And that is a place that we would never find on our own. Because if we're honest, the truth is, like, we don't know what we're doing, do we? I was talking with Ted this morning. We were talking about how, again, in your 40s, it's like you spend your first 40 years talk, thinking you know exactly what you're doing. You spend the next 40, and I'm only four years into this. Yeah, I'm into the 40s. You spend this 40 years realizing you have no idea what you're doing. We, have, we really don't know that much about where we're going or know that much about what lies ahead. And so we need a guide on this journey, don't we? Someone to show us the way. And that someone is who? It's Jesus. But rather than faithfully Following, what happens is we often find ourselves frantically wandering from place to place, don't we? Anxious about where to turn and when, feeling as though we took our 10,000 steps and it feels like we didn't go anywhere. So where do you find yourself this morning? Are Are you following? Or do you find yourself wandering? Or maybe you've given up and you're just sitting there. That's the question Henry Nouwen asks in the intro uh, of his book, Following Jesus, Finding Our Way Home in an Age of Anxiety, a book I read earlier this year that inspired uh, this series that we're beginning this morning, this journey that we're embarking on together. And, and he begins by asking this question. He says, he asks, are you following Jesus? I want you to look at yourself and ask that question. Are you a follower? Am I? See, often we are more wanderers than followers. I'm speaking of myself as much as you. We're people who run around a lot and do many things, meet many people, attend many events, read many books. We're very involved. We experience life as many, many things. We, we go here, we go there. We do this, we do that. We speak to him, we speak to her. We have this to do and that to do. he says people who wander from one thing to another, feeling that they, feeling as though they, have, they are lived more than they live. And they're very tired deeply tired, exhausted. It is a problem for many people. It is not so much that we do many things, but rather that we do many things while wondering whether anything is actually even happening. Sometimes it seems as though we we have all these balls up in the air and we wonder how we're going to keep them all going. It is very tiring, exhausting actually. To the point that some people finally just stop and give it all up. They they say it was five years ago and, and nothing's happened since then. And they sit there and do nothing. Nothing excites them anymore. They have no real interest in life. They just watch television. They read comic books. They sleep all the time. There is no rhythm, no movement, no tension. It says they've moved from wandering to just sitting there. These people are also very tired. There's a real tired fatigue there. Both types of people, the running around ones and the just sitting there ones, they're not moving anywhere. And I think that resonates with us, doesn't it? I think it resonated with us three years ago, and it most definitely resonates with us after the last two years. And so my prayer for this series is that if you feel that, if you feel like you are frantically wandering around or just dejectedly sitting there, that you, over the course of this series, will hear the words of the Good Shepherd calling out to you, turn to me, trust in me, follow me. And that our time together in this series would be formed by the words of Jesus over these next eight weeks in the Gospels as we faithfully follow the way of Jesus. And we're going to begin our journey with an invitation from Jesus, an invitation to come and see, an invitation that we're going to see Jesus extend to his first disciples in this passage in John 1, an invitation he is extending to each and every one of us this morning before we take this first step on the journey, I want to invite you to join me in prayer, reading this prayer that Henry closes his intro with. And so pray this out loud with me. Dear Lord, be with us today. Listen to our confusion and help us know how to live it. We don't know the words. We don't know the way. Show us the way. Help us listen to your voice in a noisy world. We want to be with you. We know you are peace. We know you are joy. Help us to be a peaceful and joyful people. These are the fruits of living close to you. Bring us close to you, dear Lord. Amen. Well, if you haven't already, let's open our Bibles, New Testament book of John, the fourth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to be in the opening chapter in verses 35 to 42, where the apostle John, he, he shares his own story of how he began to follow Jesus. And it begins in verse 35 and 36. Look down with me. He says, the next day again, John was standing with two of the disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, the apostle John, he, he wrote his gospel, he says later on, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. His sole purpose in writing was to point people to Jesus. And the same was true of John the Baptist. Now, we got a couple of Johns going on here, right? So let's do a little housekeeping to keep them all clear. Uh, the apostle John is just going to be John. He wins. He's John. The other John, we're gonna call John the Baptist. I may just call him JB at times. I don't know. We got John. We got JB. We good with that? Okay. Now, two days ago. Okay. So what John opens his gospel here, talking about a week's activities that begin uh, with the baptism of Jesus and end uh, with a wedding in Canaan, where Jesus turned water into wine, his first sign. And so, so two days ago from today, as JB's baptizing in the Jordan River, uh, some Jewish priests come. And they, they're starting asking him these questions, like, like, who do you think you are? You, you think you're the Christ? You think you're Elijah returned? You, you think you're the prophet that Moses said would come? And John the Baptist, he answers, saying, like, I'm, I'm not any of that. He's like, I'm, I'm just the opening act. I'm the guy before the guy. I'm here to get you ready for when the guy comes. And that's exactly what happened on the next day. One day ago, as John the Baptist, he's back baptizing people, and and, he, and John says he saw Jesus coming. And he declared, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's like, this is the guy I was telling you about. It's just like the lambs that were sacrificed each year at Passover. Jesus would be sacrificed at Passover in three years, wouldn't he? But unlike those lambs, Jesus, as the Lamb of God, was the once and for all sacrifice who would take away and atone for the sin of the world. That is who Jesus is. That is why Jesus came. That is why this matters for you. And so then on the next day, today, in this story, John the Baptist, he's standing there with two disciples. He's standing there with Andrew, we see later on in verse 40, and with John. And it says, Jesus walked by. And once again, J.B., he, he points people, he points people not to himself, but to Jesus, right? Just as uh, Matthias Grunewald depicted in this beautiful 16th century altarpiece that is in France today. You see you see the guy with kind of the not great haircut in the bottom corner, and he's holding God's word, and he's got like this four-foot finger, Right, That's John the Baptist pointing to Jesus, not to himself. Because see, he he spent his entire life preparing the way for Jesus. He spent his entire ministry pointing people to Jesus. And like every time I read this passage, I come away amazed. I'm amazed by the emotional health and spiritual maturity that he portrays two things that I think are in short supply today. See, our insecurity leads us to be threatened by others, doesn't it? We're threatened by others, especially those who might who might take the spotlight away from us, who might outshine us. And so rather than building others up, we seek to tear others down, protecting our power, protecting our status, protecting our rights. And in the end, rather than being known by What we are for, we are known by who we are against. And as a result, we push people away from Jesus. We have this siege mentality, this scarcity mindset that we constantly operate out of a state of fear. And security is threatened by others, but maturity, emotional maturity, spiritual maturity, it embraces others, it loves others, all others, one another, our neighbor, even our enemy, as we're going to see in this series, because it is secure in who we are in Christ as a child of God. And our maturity leads us, rather to to keeping people in the dark, it leads us to draw them into the light so that they can encounter Jesus. Because just like John the Baptist, we are not the light, are we, but simply those who bear witness about the light, who reflect the light, pointing people to Jesus, the true light, the light of the world, the light who who gives light to everyone. And so just as John the Baptist said in John 3, we humbly acknowledge that, that Jesus must increase, amen, and we must decrease. And so rather than pursuing power and status, we are called to lay down our rights and pick up our cross each and every day in our pursuit of Jesus. In verse 37, he says, the two disciples, Andrew and John, he says, they heard JB, he, they heard him say this. They heard him say the very same thing he had said the, the day before, but, but today was different. Today, they they heard his words with a greater level of understanding. And in that moment, they recognized there was something special about this man named Jesus. Their their curiosity, it drew them in, longing for something more, hoping Jesus might lead them to it. They, They left John the Baptist, and it says they followed Jesus, like a couple little ducks following mama duck. It says Jesus, he turned and he saw them following him, but, but rather than being annoyed by it, like remember when you were a kid and you had friends over, if you had a younger sibling and how your younger sibling would always be following along behind you? Rather than being annoyed or rather than being creeped out by a couple of dudes on his six that he didn't know, Jesus responded with compassion. And he did what Jesus often does. He asked them a question then. He says, what are you seeking? Jesus wasn't asking because he wanted to know. He was asking because he wanted them to know. This was not a rhetorical question, but a reflective question. As, as Ruth Haley Barton writes in her book, uh, Sacred Rhythms, uh, that I read this summer, she, um, she writes of this question. She says, Jesus himself routinely asked people questions that help them to get in touch with their desire and to name it in his presence. Opening the way for Christ to lead them into deeper levels of spiritual truth and healing. She goes on to say, it's a question that penetrates to the very core of our being. And it's a very, very personal question. It, it brings us face to face with our humanness, our vulnerability, and our need. And Jesus is asking you that very same question this morning. What are you seeking? What is it that you want? Why are you here? What are your expectations of Jesus? And Jesus isn't asking because he's annoyed with you. He's not creeped out by you. No, Jesus, he loves you. And he's invited you here to reveal this answer to you so that we can get in touch with our own desires and name it in his presence as he draws us to him. As we go on, Andrew and John, they um, they kind of pull the Jesus juke on them. They, they respond to Jesus's question with a question. They ask in, uh, in verse 38, <clears throat> and they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Interesting question. See, they'd heard of Jesus. They knew that he was someone to be respected they knew that he was someone wise in the hebrew scriptures and the mosaic law they knew that he was someone they could learn from to sit as his feet as their rabbi as their teacher and so jesus he responds in verse 39 saying come come and and you will see right extending an invitation and making them a promise he, he extends them an invitation to come, to join him, to be with him, to stay with him, to get to know him, and then he makes them a promise that he's not just going to sh- tell them, he's going to show them. He's like, you're going you're gonna to see for yourself. All you have to do is RSVP. Répondez s'il vous plaît. Respond if you please. Yes, no, or Maybe. Little sidebar application. When you get that RSVP, it's not respond yes or don't respond. It's respond yes if you're coming, no if you're not coming, and maybe if you maybe are coming. Good? Okay. Got nothing to do with anything, just proper etiquette, I think. I don't know. But unlike... Jesus' invitation's different. See, uh... You guys ever do one of those timeshare things? Ever heard of those timeshare things? See, In those timeshare invitations, they they come with a free night stay at this incredible resort as long as, there's a string attached, there's a condition, as long as you listen to this hour-long info session, they call it. However, what they do is when you enter the conference room, they lock the door behind you and they don't let you out until you have signed your life away and you're first born away. Massive string coming attached to that. But Jesus' invitation, it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. There's no strings attached because what he promises, it's not some intellectual explanation, but an intimate encounter. I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to show you an encounter where we get to experience his presence. And it says in verse 39, so they came and they saw where he was saying, And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. Another sidebar here, you notice how like Jesus, Jesus is homeless at this time, right? He's left home, he's homeless these last three years. Uh, So Jesus is a guest bringing home uninvited guests. And apparently, instead of the host throwing a fit about not having enough food to eat, enough wine to drink, they're like great. The more the merrier. They welcomed him in. And I think it's the detail John doesn't provide that speaks so loudly to hospitality at this time. The more the merrier. Come. Come and see. Come and stay. And they spent the rest of the day dwelling in his presence, eating and drinking and laughing together, sitting at his his feet the way a disciple would sit at the feet of the rabbi listening to him, learning from him. Only unlike a a typical first century Jewish uh, rabbi-disciple relationship that's initiated by the disciple, Jesus initiated this relationship, didn't he? Jesus extended the invitation. Nobody nobody here invited Jesus into their heart. Jesus extended the invitation to come and see. All they did was RSVP, yes. And they came, and they saw and what they experienced. It was so incredible that they, they couldn't help but then go and share with others. And so Andrew, it says, Andrew took off, and he first found his, his own brother Simon, and he said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now, like We've all lost something important to us, right? something that is so important. It's as if life itself could not continue until you found it, whether it is your keys, whether it is your purse, whether it is your phone, whether it is your child at the park or the grocery store. We've all done it. It's okay. They're downstairs. We found them eventually. But we kept searching until we found them, didn't we? I thought the Jewish people felt waiting for centuries and searching for the Messiah to come. Going back a 1,000 years to God's covenant with with David for a king who would rule over God's people. Going back 1,500 years to the covenant God made with with Moses for a prophet who would come and speak to his people. Going back 2,000 years to the covenant God made with Abraham for an offspring who would bless God's people. Going back millennia to the Garden of Eden when God made a covenant with Adam and Eve for an offspring that would redeem God's people. This is who they were waiting for. This is who they were searching for, the Messiah, the Christ, the one promised by God, the one set by God, the Son of God. He's like, he's come. We found him. He's right here. You have to come meet him. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him, and he said, you are Simon, the son of John. I know who you are but now that you've met me, now that you've encountered me, you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means the rock. Just as Andrew and John were forever changed by accepting the invitation and encountering Jesus, being born again, being given new life, eternal life, the same was true for Simon. And not because of anything that he did. No, but simply by Jesus speaking over him, claiming him as his own. And Simon's transformation was so radical that his identity was forever changed, marked by his name being changed, just as Abram's name was changed to Abraham, and Jacob's name changed to Israel. Simon's name was changed to Cephas in Aramaic, to Peter in Greek, which means rock. Because what we know to be true is that Jesus does not leave you the way he found you, amen? He does not leave you the way he found you. We are forever changed by our encounter with Jesus. Our lives transformed as we dwell and worship in his presence, being formed into his image, shaped by his words as we faithfully follow his way. And all that he is asking of us today is to accept this invitation to come and to receive his promise that he will show you who he is why he came, and why that matters to you, to your life, and to your eternity. And so I want to extend that invitation to you, to come and see by taking the same three steps that Andrew and John took in this passage, to listen, to ask, and to dwell. I want to invite you to listen to the words of Jesus, listening intently, listening, seeking to understand what it is he is saying and why. And so if you desire to more faithfully follow the way of Jesus, to instead of wandering, begin following, instead of sitting, to begin moving, I want to invite you to come and listen to the words of Jesus over the next seven weeks of this series. Because what we're going to hear Jesus do, we're going to hear him extend the call to follow him next week. Uh, Give us a command to love one another. Extend a challenge to love our enemies. An offer to come and rest. Explain the cost that we need to take up our own cross. As he promises a reward that his joy will be ours and a promise that he will be with us always. And so I want to encourage us, each and every one of us, to prioritize this weekly rhythm of worship Listening to the words of Jesus, this spiritual formation taking place in our lives. But I also want to invite you to ask questions of Jesus. When we look at the Psalms, David is always asking questions. He's a little angry when he asks those questions too, you notice? got some emotion in there. But we ask questions of Jesus so that we can know him more and so that he can help us know ourselves more. And so if you desire deeper intimacy in your relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to come and learn more about the way, our three-year journey of spiritual growth and formation here at Redemption, where we read and reflect and where we ask questions. We ask questions of ourselves. We ask questions of God. We ask questions of each other, questions that draw us ultimately closer to Jesus. And if you're like, I've never heard of the way, I don't know what that is. Some of you, you've already been taking books from the library, reading what we're reading. Wherever you're at, I want to invite you um, to come. I'm going to host a 30-minute informational session. We're not going to lock the doors behind you. This is not like a timeshare thing. We're going to leave them open. Uh, A 30-minute info session on Sunday, October 30th, the last Sunday of this series, right after service, where you can learn more about what the way is and what to expect along the way. And in the meantime, if you're like, I don't really know what this is, but I want to know more, two things. Number one, go to our website, and underneath the ministries header, you'll see our uh, page about the way, and you can read more. And second, ask questions of the 14 people that are currently in the way. They're not in the way. They're participating in the way. (laughs) Still working on language there. Ask these 14 people who began their three-year journey back in January, and ask them how they are growing. They'll do an even better job of explaining. But then third, I want to invite you to dwell on the presence of Jesus. And I want you to dwell in the presence of Jesus, not by a very strict, rigorous reading plan of getting through the Bible in the next week. We'd all have to take off work for that. But through this daily rhythm of simply sitting with God in silence, which sounds absolutely excruciating, doesn't it? Like, I think I'd rather read the Bible in the next week than sit in silence. But here's the thing, if, you, if you're feeling exhausted from this overflowing schedule, if you feel like you are frantically running around all over the place, not knowing where or when to turn, I, I want to invite you to just like slow the pace, quiet the noise, and simply be in the presence of God, our Abba, our Father, as his beloved child, By spending just a couple of minutes in silence and solitude with him each and every day. And if you're like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know where to start. Because like sitting in silence is way more complicated than it sounds at first, isn't it? Or at least we make it out to be. Then if if you resonate with that, what I want to invite you to do, there's Ruth Haley Barton wrote a book called Invitation to Solitude and, and Silence that... I have found incredibly helpful in providing very practical steps to begin incorporating this spiritual practice to the point that it's how I begin nearly each and every day now. I'm gonna include a a link to all these books in the the sermon notes on our website. And uh, if you're like, I I really love that book, I can't afford to get a book, Well, you just come find me, I'll go get it for you. Uh, The only string attached when I buy you a book is I wanna have coffee with you when you're done, I wanna see how it's going, that's it. It's not even much of a string. And if you don't schedule the coffee, you still get to keep the book. I'm not, like, tracking you down. I can going to extend the invitation to come and share. But, you know, when we do this, the natural next step for those who have come and seen, you know what it is? It's to go and share with others. It's to do what John the Baptist did. It's to do what Andrew did. See, those who accept the invitation to come and see, those who have experienced his presence, who have surrendered their lives to Christ, we we can't help but go and invite others to come and to experience it themselves. So I want to invite you to invite someone else, uh, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, I want you to invite them to come and to see and to experience. You don't need to give them a theological explanation of anything other than there's this guy named Jesus, and I'd like you to come meet him. And I'd like you to meet some of his people. And God willing, we're not like that caricature of the church that you've heard about or read about or seen, tweeted about. What better way to love your neighbor as yourself than invite them to come and see and to experience his love, his acceptance, his presence, his people, his forgiveness? themselves. And hear me, that is true no matter who they are, right? That is true no matter what they have done. That is true no matter how far they have strayed or how far long they may have been away. We extend that invitation to them knowing Jesus loves them. This we know because what told us so? The Bible told us so. We sing that song, knowing that Jesus loves them just as he loves you, extending the invitation to them that he personally extended to you, an invitation to simply come and see. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For more audio content and information about redemption, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org.